Thank you so much. You're always prepared to lead us in. and We're going to be in the book of Acts chapter 3 this morning. And I'm going to uh, step firmly into cliche this morning. I know Melissa said you could be out someplace else soaking in the sun, but I think we can do that here as well, right? We just changed the, the U to an O, and we could soak up a little, little more sun. I need a little more sun. Do you need a little more sun? Yeah. I don't know about you, but I've had times in my life where I've, uh, I've been stuck physically, physically. Uh, uh, in my wilder, younger days, um, growing up in a small town, uh, it was kind of our aim at times to see how deeply we could get our truck stuck in the mud. Uh, usually in somebody else's field, and it gets a little embarrassing. And uh, when you're tearing up somebody's field, and then you ask, to ask them to borrow a tractor to come and get it out. Um, but those, as embarrassing as they can be, isn't it as bad sometimes when you feel stuck in other ways? Uh, sometimes decisions we make, and we get stuck. And sometimes it's not our decisions. There's, there's just something that's happened. Something's come your way. Uh, you can call it misfortune. You could call it fate. You can call it whatever you choose to call it. But sometimes we just feel like we're, like we're stuck, that our, our motion has stopped, that and even as I said this morning, sometimes it feels like we're going through the motions because we're just there and we know what we're supposed to do. We know how we're supposed to feel. We know what we're supposed to say. But it rings kind of hollow. We feel like we're just kind of stuck in this place. We're stuck in this spot where I, I, I can't walk out of it. I, I don't want to go back to where I've been and, and I don't know how to go forward. And, and, and it feels like I'm just being carried along and... and and I don't know what to do, and I don't know what to say, and I don't know what to pray. And, um, and if you've ever been there, then welcome to the human experience. Uh, welcome to the, to the real Christianity that I live. I don't know if you live that, but I live that where I have good and bad days. It's not all good and glorious, and I can't just, I don't just walk down the street, Woo, hallelujah, glory to God, praise Jesus. I, I, don't, I don't live like that all the time. And, and yes, I give praise to God, and yes, God is good, but I've had days where I've wondered, where are you? How did this happen? How did I get here? How do I get out? Uh, and what's, what's next? Uh, I want something better than this. I expected more than this. And, and if you've lived with that, then just realize that God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And just because you're feeling that now or you're stuck in that place now doesn't mean that he's powerless, doesn't mean he's forgotten you, doesn't mean he's overlooked you. And, and I hope that through the message this morning you find some encouragement to realize sometimes God does this incredible magic work. And, and when I say magic, I don't mean like he uses magic. It just seems like, bam, it, it happened to you and you didn't expect it. And, and he did something incredible. And sometimes he sends some people along to help you. And I think of the, the joke, you know, I mean, we, we sometimes forget that that's part of our purpose on the planet is not for us to just come and sit in church, but we are made with hands and feet to be the hands and feet of Jesus to the world around us. 
And I think of the joke of the man who was stuck in a time of flooding and the, the waters are rising and, and he begins to pray, oh Lord, help me, help me, Lord, I trust you, help me. And, and pretty soon the waters are getting deeper and deeper and he's, he's thinking he's going to have to climb up on the roof and a, and a guy comes by in a little raft and, and he says, hey man, it's, it's flooding, do you need some help? He said, no, I, God's got this, he's got this. And pretty soon he's on the top of his house and, and he's praying, God, you know, help me out of this, God. Where are you, God? And pretty soon a guy comes by in a bigger boat with a motor. Uh, man, you're, you better get in here. Nope, nope, God's got this. And, and pretty soon he's on the top of his antenna. It's just flooding like crazy. And a guy comes by in a helicopter. <laughs> Dude, we got to get you out of here, man. You can't be here. God's got this. Well, he couldn't hang on anymore, and he drowned. He gets to heaven and he asks God, where were you? Why didn't you save me? Who do you think sent the raft and the boat and the helicopter? We wanted like supernatural. And sometimes we get that way and we've got to start thinking, maybe a person around us is what God is using to help us. Right? He doesn't have to come down in all his glory. He doesn't have to shoot out lightning and fireworks and something incredible happen. Maybe he just sends somebody to your house. Maybe he sends somebody across your path. Maybe the way that God miraculously intervened was through a person. You ever thought about that? And we miss those opportunities because we're looking for God. Hey, I don't have time for you today. I'm waiting for God to do something incredible. And we're going to read a story here in a minute that if you ever felt stuck, this guy knew what it meant to be stuck. And hopefully you see that there's hope for you today. That's the wonder of the gospel is there's hope for us no matter what's going on. No matter where we're at, there's hope. So join me. We're going to be in Acts chapter 3. Here we go. Peter and John are going up together to the temple at the ninth hour. They had nine o'clock service. And a certain man that was lame from his mother's womb. So here's a, here's a kid. Uh, he's a man now, but he's never been able to walk. He's, he's been lame, unable to walk since the day he was born. Something happened. And they laid him daily at this gate of the temple, which is called Beautiful. Now, get a picture of this. We can read through this and go, oh, you know, a sad story. Or think through this in your mind, if you would, for just a minute. We don't know how long he's been there, but they're considering him a man. He's probably in his late 20s, early 30s. He's a man. But who's carrying him to this gate? Mom and dad. Doing the only thing they knew how. They've probably tried everything. I mean, if they're good parents, they've taken him to the doctor. They've taken taken him to all the specialists. They've tried restorative therapy. They've tried everything. I'm sure they've prayed. I bet you he's prayed. (laughs) And yet every day, think about this. Think about you. Think about your mom and dad having to pick you up and carry you to a spot to beg so you can make some money. And the years are going by and you've almost given up hope. And it's like if God was going to do something, he would have done it by now. To the fact where now he's just used to this. Every morning I get up, mom and dad help me get dressed. And then they carry me and they lay him at this gate 
that people would come into to worship, and then you're relying on the mercy and the blessing of strangers because he's asking alms. He's asking basically for pennies, begging. And if you've been to a foreign country, you see this quite a bit, kids begging in the streets, crippled people begging in the streets. I mean, we don't have a sense of that here. But somebody with their legs all withered up and can't walk, and they don't even look up anymore. They've just got a hand out, hoping, hoping for some kindness, hoping, hoping for that day. He's just hoping, hoping for some pennies. He's just hoping for some change, hoping for some good Christian person to stop and see his problem, to see his stuckness, to see his lameness. An interesting thing happens. And I find the irony, uh, maybe you don't see the irony, I find the irony that they lay this crippled, twisted man at the gate called beautiful. I'll bet you he doesn't look down and see beautiful legs. I'll bet you he doesn't look down and see a beautiful life. I'll bet you he doesn't look down and say, this is beautiful, this is exactly what I hoped it would be and what I expected God to have. And so I find some irony here where they lay him at the gate called Beautiful. And he's hoping to beg from those that are entering the temple. But today he sees Peter and John. They're just getting ready to go into the temple, and he asks for alms. And don't get hung up in the alms word. Like I said, just insert change there or whatever, or get the New Living Testament, and it'll have a different word for you than alms. But he's begging for pocket change, really. He sees them, and something about them he decides to ask. And look at verse 4. Fixing his eyes on him, they decide to look at him. Now, and if this is you, don't feel guilty this morning. Just come to the realization. Have you ever been in a place, especially you go to the metro areas, and there's a lot of panhandlers, and pretty soon you train your eye, and they're almost invisible? You just don't see them anymore? Peter and John did something special that day. They decided to see the invisible. He'd been laying there year after year, day after. They carried him there daily, 365 days a year. They carried him there. I'll bet you everybody got used. He just became the background. He just became part of the process. He just became part of the walk. That's the guy that's always there begging for money when we go in the temple. And pretty soon, your mind and your eyes adjust, and pretty soon you don't see them anymore. You know this happens. You see this in your house. you got... Uh, a, a spot in your house where the paint's been scraped or the kids did a ding or this or that, and you don't notice it anymore. Now, when you get a new car, you notice everything, don't you? And you're heartbroken when you get that first parking lot ding. But pretty soon, if you've got kids, the parking lot ding's no big deal compared to the french fries and the gummy bears stuck to the carpet and the spilled stuff all over the place, and, and it kind of has that weird smell inside your car. There's that, that hope of new car smell has been gone for a long time. First time your wonderful, beautiful child throws up in your car, the new car smell is gone. And now you don't notice the door ding anymore. Now you don't even notice the smell anymore. It's just your car and you drive it around and no big deal. But somebody new to your car gets in and says, uh, you must have kids. <laughs> and I think I sat on a gummy bear. 
He had become invisible. But they looked at him. And notice what they said. Okay? You've got to read through the stories of the Bible. First, you should read the Bible. And then second, slow down long enough to actually read it. If he was already looking at them, they wouldn't have had to say, look at us. But he knew he was invisible too. And so if you can imagine this morning a man probably propped up on one arm or, or, or like this, where he's just like this most days, just hoping. Because when you're at this level, all you see is kneecaps and the backsides of the people going by you. And he just has a hand out asking for alms, hoping for mercy, hoping that somebody will be generous and kind. And it's not for the doctor, and it's not to get him new legs. He's just trying to make enough to eat. And they come upon this man that is just looking down in all areas of his life. And look what they say. Look at us. Not like, hey, look at us, we've got legs. But I think they were saying something different. Stop looking at the problem and look at us. Stop looking at your lame legs and look at us. Stop being invisible and look at us. Verse 5. So he gave them his attention. Now, look at this. He changed his attention, and now what's he doing? Expecting to receive something from them. What are you expecting this morning? Are you expecting to receive anything this morning, or are you on autopilot? Are you one of the invisible people? Are you just here because you know you're supposed to be here? Or did you actually come and you're going to put your attention on God expecting to receive something? Not from me. I'm just a man that's sharing a story. But God, who has the ability to give to those that want it. What are you expecting? Because if you don't know, how do you know if you're going to get it? And I think sometimes we have... Too little expectation for church. Our expectation is, I hope I make it there. Okay, you've made it there. You've fulfilled that expectation. What are you expecting this morning? What do you want from God? What do you think He could do for you? What would you say if He said to you, Look at me. Look at me. Stop looking around. Stop looking at your stuff. Stop being distracted. Hey, you look at me. What would you do if God said that to you this morning? Look at me. And he, by that tone, expected to receive something. Do you understand what I'm saying? I think all too often we come to church expecting nothing. We expect what we've always expected, which is there will be a beginning, a middle, and an end. And the sooner that the end gets here, the better. Now think about that expectation. Now I will try my best to get us out of here by 1.30. See, now you're expecting something. 
You're expecting me to be faster than that. But don't gloss over this. Him changing his eye position, him lifting his head, him, instead of being invisible, he realized somebody saw him, somebody talked to him, somebody engaged him, and in doing so, he looked up expecting to receive something not from God. God didn't show up, but he did show up in the form of Peter and John. Just like you, just like me, we are made in the image of God not to just go around our lives, but to actually engage people and to be witnesses and to be the people that step into those moments just like this. And please don't take this literally like all of a sudden we've got to engage all these panhandlers. I'm not saying that. I'm talking about maybe even the people right here in your row. Maybe the people in your house, the people at your work, the people that we've been passing by, the people that we've got comfortable seeing, do you actually see them anymore? And church is hard because we we tend to be cliche. We tend to say, hey, I'm doing good, or how are you? And if you've been uh, in church a long time and you've learned all this religious stuff, you say really religious, weird-sounding stuff like, well, I'm just blessed. I'm highly favored. I'm this, I'm that. And yet on the inside, we may feel like we're dying, but I can't say that. And the person, let me be honest, just me, most of the time we don't want to hear it. You really, when you ask somebody, how are you doing today? You really don't want to hear their life story. You want them to say, fine, good, now I can go. Good if they say, I feel like I'm dying inside. Thank God that he sent me, he sent you to me. You'd be like, oh, brother. I don't have time for this. I just wanted to get in and get out. I just, and some of us, we're missing that when church is about your schedule and your time. And again, I'm not going to belabor this this morning, but when you come in late and you leave early and you're just trying to avoid people, maybe you're part of the problem. Your job is people. Your calling is people. Your ministry is people. And when we whisk in and whisk out, we're doing the exact same thing right here. There may be people that only you can help and only you can engage and you are walking by and you don't even see them anymore and you're hoping that they don't see you. And you're hoping that you don't see them. You don't want to get engaged. You don't want to have that conversation. Can I just get in and listen to some music and do the Word because I'm supposed to do that. That's how you get to heaven. I'm telling you that's not how you get to heaven. But if that's become your mindset, then all you're doing is dragging a lame man to the gate called beautiful every Sunday. Because we're made for more than that. And you should be better than that. You should have more faith than that. You should have opened eyes more than that. You should have a heart that's bigger than that. There's something more than just going through the motions and coming and hoping that nobody talks to me. If that's your hope for today, you could have stayed home for that. And maybe you're saying, that's why I came here, to escape from the people at my house that are needy. I get that too. But if we're going to be Christians, if we're going to be Christ followers, if we're going to be people that are used by God, and I hope you want to be used by God, then we have to put ourselves in position, not only, and remember where they were going, they were going to church. 
Get out of my way, people. I don't have time to help you. I'm on my way to church. But he changed his focus, hoping to get something from them. And Peter steps up. You remember Peter, hopefully. This bold, brash guy that usually talks before he speaks. And he's mellowed a little bit over time now. But verse 6, he says, I'm going to paraphrase it. You're looking for silver and gold. You're looking for some money. You're looking for my pocket change. But I don't have any of that. But what I do have, I'm going to give to you. Think about that for just a minute. It's easier to walk by and give the pocket change. It's not so easy to engage. It's not so easy to see him as human. It's not so easy to take time for the story. It's not so easy to see where they're at, to see their pain, to smell what they smell like, to see what they look like. That's tough because that begins to open our minds and our hearts and begins to engage our spirits. And God is planning that for all of us if we'll allow him to do that in us. And they don't always look lame. And they don't always hold a sign. It's the person that really just needs you to notice what's going on with them. And it usually comes at a bad time. It usually comes at an inconvenient moment, just like John and Peter. They didn't want to be late for church. They knew when the temple's time started. And yet, It was inconvenient. They weren't there to heal anybody, but they knew what God had called them to do, so they decided they were going to do what they were supposed to do instead of allowing the routine to be the routine. I don't have the change that you're asking for. But look what they said. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. Now, what did he say I would give him? What I do have, I'll give to you. They knew Jesus. They'd walked with Jesus. They'd heard the words of Jesus. They had seen the teachings of Jesus. They'd seen the miracles of Jesus. They'd felt the touch of Jesus. And they like, you want to know what you really need? The money isn't going to make that thing go away. But what I do have, I'll give you. You see, it's easy to throw money at things. I think about our upcoming trip. Hopefully you've heard about it or help support it. When we go to Guatemala, it's one thing to send money. And I'm thankful for the people that give. It's another thing to see dirty, hungry kids and give them food and pull them up in your lap. And to hear little kids that look like they're far older than they are laugh freely because I'm blowing bubbles. It's easy to send the money. It's inconvenient to go and stay where I'm not used to and eat food I'm not used to and be put in situations that can break my heart. But in doing so, I become a vessel of God and you become a vessel of God. And you don't have to travel 2,000 miles away. Guess what? It's right in your back door. <laughs> it's right there on the street when you go. It's right there at Walmart. It's right there at Safeway. It's right there at the wherever you frequent. There's people that need what you've got. And, and please, again, don't take this literally. They, if, unless God tells you, don't try to pick somebody up out of a wheelchair and make them walk around, okay? But if God tells you to do it, 
do it. But don't get overzealous and just start walking through the senior center and start picking people up out of wheelchairs saying in Jesus' name. There's no magical formula. Either God's moving in it or he ain't. And we get overzealous sometimes when we bring dishonor on God. Well, God didn't heal this guy. God didn't tell you to pick that guy. And just because you said in Jesus' name, didn't do anything. Because Jesus has to be in it, whether you use his name or not. In the name of Jesus of Nazareth, look what he says. Rise up. And walk. And that probably sounded like the most painfully brutal thing you can tell a man that's been lame all his life. Get up, dude. Yeah, you don't think I would? If I could, do you know how long I've been asking for legs? Do you know how hard this has been? And you come by here, you don't even give me any change. What do you tell me? Get up and walk. Some Christian you are. But it didn't end at verse 6, did it? That's the beauty. Now do you see why we're so needed? And Peter took him by the hand. Look at that. Reached down to where he was, and instead of giving him a hand out, he gave him a hand up. I'm not going to just tell you to get up. I'm going to help you get up. I'm not going to just give you the easy pocket change. I'm going to give you something better. I'm going to give you Jesus that will change your life and where you couldn't walk before. I don't know where you're at this morning. Maybe it's an addiction. Maybe it's a problem. Maybe you feel like a bad mom or a bad dad or a bad kid. or a, You just feel like you're stuck. Remember what I was saying? And you just haven't been walking right. He gets that. But that's what we need is we need a Jesus breakthrough of somebody that comes in and doesn't just say, change, get up, do it different. We need somebody that engages us, somebody that comes in the name of Jesus, somebody that has power, somebody that has hope, somebody that has faith to step into our lives and give us a hand. And sometimes it looks like the person sitting next to you. Sometimes it looks like a neighbor. Sometimes it looks like a coworker. Sometimes it looks like a pastor. Sometimes it looks like a shriner. Sometimes, I don't know, but they're usually humans that come to do the work of God. And he took him by the right hand and lifted him up. He didn't just sit there. Notice he didn't even pray for him. How unspiritual. He didn't get out the oil. He didn't have to do anything. He just said, hey, you know what you need? You need Jesus. Why don't you get up? Didn't have to spend 20 minutes praying. Didn't have to drag him to revival. He just said, in Jesus' name, get up and walk. And he grabbed him by the hand, and he lifted him up. And look at as soon as he lifted him up, something happened. And it says, immediately, his feet and his ankle bones received strength. Amazing stuff. Took him by the hand, and he lifted him, and he was strengthened. The easy thing to do would have been to dig in their tunic and grab a few change 
and flip him his way. And they wouldn't have been late for temple. The easy thing to do would have been to say, Oh, you poor lad, let us pray for you. Before we hurry, hurry and pray, Peter, we're, they're giving the last call for temple. We've got to go. That's the easy thing. That's the least. But notice that they didn't do the least. They took the time. They didn't engage him. I find it interesting that they didn't say, Hey, man, what happened to you? How long has this been going on? What's, what's the deal with your legs? Notice that they left it in Jesus' hands. You know what you need? You need Jesus. Not just any old Jesus. You need Jesus Christ of Nazareth. Now, do you want to get up and walk? That's the big question. Do you want to walk? Do you want to rise up from where you're at? Come on, church. Do you want to rise up from where you're at, stuck, floundering, feel like you're in slow motion, feel like you're going nowhere fast? Do you want to... You know what you need? You have to make a decision. I'm going to rise up. You can. He's given us that power. He's given us that ability. We can rise up, and sometimes we need some help. Whether we like it or not, sometimes we need some help. Not from angels, but from ordinary people, just like you and me, that see a problem and stop and give a hand up instead of a hand out. And temple was different that day. Let's read verse 8. Look at this. He, I believe he felt it. In my, in, my mind, my, in my mind, the Bible's like a cartoon, comic book. It's not this black and white dull stuff. I see like the caption frame where they pan from his face and him holding his hand so they pan down and all of a sudden something pops. And he feels strength go into his ankle and his feet. And now he's like, I'm going to crawl into the temple because, man, my legs are so weak after years and years. I don't have any, any power in them. Thank you, guys. It's not what it says, does it? It said he leapt up. He jumped up. He didn't even know how to jump. He had never jumped in his life. And yet, here he is. Jumped up. To do what? Jumped up and walked and entered the temple. What's those next two words? Think about that for just a minute. Now, I'm going to back up for just a second, and and I'm going to apply a heavy coat of varnish here so that we don't get off easy this morning. Peter and John are just going to church. Where was the priest that saw him laid at this gate beautiful every day? Where was the Pharisees that saw him laid at the gate beautiful every day? Where were the legalistic? Where were the powerful? Where were the positioned people? Where were the people that knew how to do it and were in charge of all those things? Funny, they didn't see him because he'd become invisible, and yet two average people 
And you can say, well, they weren't average. They were disciples. That's the difference right there. The people that followed Jesus saw the issue. The people that were going through religion, the people that were just following the rules, the people that just liked their power and their position, those people stayed invisible. But all of a sudden, the people that followed Jesus, they can't ignore it anymore. They can't walk by anymore. They can't not stick out a hand anymore. They knew what it was to have Jesus raise them up. You remember who Peter was? He knew how that lame man felt. He knew what it was to deny Jesus. And yet Jesus showed back up to get him to rise up. Pete, you can either grovel in this, you can go back to your fishing, or you know what? I forgive you and let's rise up. You got some more walking to do. You got some more stuff to accomplish. You've got some forgiving to do. You've got some stuff that I want you to work out. And it's exciting stuff, and yet it looks like the everyday going to church stuff until that day. He gets up, and he walked, entering the temple with them. He's walking, he's leaping, and saying, You won't believe these guys are awesome! not what he was saying, was he? Who is he giving praise to? You know why? You know what you need? You need Jesus. And when he realized he needed Jesus, guess who he gave the praise to? See, that's where we're stuck today. Not just here, but in our nation. Everything's about me, and I can fix this, and I can get out of it. But what happens when you can't? Or we call in the name of Jesus, but then we don't get the glory. And we admit I can't fix it, and we admit I can't get it, and I have to admit I'm stuck. Great. Be stuck and allow him to unstuck you. What's, what's the benefit? What's the downside? The worst that can happen is you stay stuck. <laughs> or we rise up from our mess and we don't have to explain it and Peter doesn't have to say okay now I'm going to grab your hand and incredible power is going to flow out of me and into you and it's going to flow down your hand and through your arm and into all your muscles it's going to strengthen up your legs it's going to fix the bones in your feet and your ankles and you're going to feel a pop and then you're going to get up and you're going to None of that had to happen. Sometimes we get carried away by thinking we got to explain it and figure out how it's going to happen. We just need to call on God and allow the extraordinary to happen. That's part of rising up is just raising up our faith. That's scary stuff because what if he doesn't get up? What if I'm dragging him into the temple with his dangling legs? <laughs> That's a whole different temple service, isn't it? <laughs> You see what they did to that poor blame guy? They drug him in here. Or did they just have faith? God, you got this. You got this. And I believe there's a whole generation that's forgotten that he has called us to rise up. Rise above the norm. Rise above the mediocre. Rise above our our inward focused prayers. Rise above the invisible. Rise above... The uh, church, there's something more. There's something bigger. There's something better than that. There's people's lives. There's people's healings. There's people's spiritual situations waiting on us.
and they think they're waiting on something else, maybe even waiting on God, but maybe they're just waiting on some people called of God, you and me, to be the solution. What if? What if? Now, the good news is this. Nobody's going to tell you in the mainstream media, but the church is still the largest volunteer workforce in the world. We're the ones that go overseas paying our way. We're the ones that feed the homeless. We're the ones that create charities. We're the ones that are doing massive amounts of work that even the government doesn't do and that's funded from the local church. People like you and me that do incredible amounts of work around the globe daily. But it's because somebody decided, I can't just sit anymore. I can't just go to church anymore. Now, going to church is great, and it's something we should do. But that's not the extent of your Christian existence. Rise up. Just barely able to pray. Rise up. Just barely able to make it through the day. Rise up. There's something more than that. And if there doesn't seem like there's something more, I'm here this morning to say there is. Because I refuse to give up on a God that's changed my life. I refuse to give up on church where I have found a family. I refuse to give up on faith that has completely altered the course of everything I've known. I refuse to give up and just get comfortable. You think after all this time, it's about time to settle down. For what? What are you settling down? We're not settling down. We're settling in. And we're not settling for anything good. Most churches are spawned out of somebody that rose up and said, there's got to be more than this. And a Pentecostal movement started. And a charismatic movement started. And a different branch started. And there was excitement and joy and passion and power. Nobody said, you know, hey, this is pretty boring. Let's start something else boring. What do you think? You think we could go more boring? Yeah, let's try that. Let's get to the place where nobody even stands anymore. We just kind of sit and mumble some words if we feel like it and if they give us coffee. And let's not even read our Bibles. That guy up at the front, he'll tell us everything we need to know. I mean, isn't there a way we could just completely check out and still make it to heaven? Yeah, let's try for that. Or we rise up. We rise up our faith. We rise up our prayer. We, rise, we begin to ask for big things from a big God. Instead of, here's my personal wish list. Would you fulfill this? What if we left us out of it? Would you have a prayer life this morning if you couldn't pray for you? I mean, if it was your normal prayer and we said you can't pray for you, would you have anything to ask for? Great question. Modern day statistics tell us that most modern Christians... They don't have a, an asking relationship with God. It's just a petitioning. Here's my wish list. And we're praying a lot about our needs. And I'm not saying you don't have needs, but let's trust the one that knows our needs and can meet our needs. And let's actually see, are there some people that need a hand up? Is there somebody that needs me to step in? There's somebody that I can pray for that's not me. Is there somebody that I could make a difference in their life? And yes, it's going to cost me. And yes, it can be uncomfortable. But will I step in? 
Will I engage with them? Will I connect with them? Or do I want the non-messy, boring, go-through-the-motions faith? I know what I've chosen. And I choose messy. It's not easy. But when God does something incredible, we can give Him praise and glory. Because nothing incredible happens in the non-messy life. You know exactly what's going to happen. And that's what's boring us to tears. That's why, as a nation, we're falling into more and more sin. We are spiritually bored. It's not that God has changed, and it's not even that people have changed. We are spiritually bored, and we'll find an outlet for our energy. And if it's not pointed at God, there's somebody else that'll take our energy and put it to good work. Or we can rise up above that mess. He went into that place walking and leaping and praising God. And verse 9 is what caps it off. And all the people saw him walking and... Look at this. What a great testimony. Everybody saw him walking and praising God. He wasn't telling about the new care that he got. He wasn't talking about the new bionic legs he received. He was talking about how God had done this wonderful thing, giving God praise. And again, my comic book mind, I'll bet you there were some people that said, would somebody quiet him down? He's making me feel uncomfortable. And I'll bet you somebody was was the negative that said, I knew he was faking it. I knew he was laying out all those years because he was lazy. He just didn't want to work. And that day, the church temple, the temple service changed. That man changed. And God got all the glory. Nobody shouting about greatness of Peter and John. God got the glory. And everybody, they didn't have to put up a sign. Look at that. Everybody saw him. And what did they see him doing? Walking and praising God. Just those two simple things. And you can do that this morning too. What did you used to walk in that you haven't been walking in for a while? Maybe it's time to start again and allow God's praise to fill your mouth. What if you stop doing that you should start doing and allow God to get the praise? But it requires us to rise up above the norm. And it was a horrible, I I don't know who started it, and it doesn't matter at this point, but somewhere in church history we decided, hey, we're just like everybody else. I'm here to tell you we're not like everybody else. We are called by God. We have been saved and redeemed by Him. We are not like everybody else. Now, we're not better and self-righteous, but we're not like everybody else. We've been given power. We have the boldness of the Holy Spirit inside of us. We have this book that guides us and leaves us and gives us fresh insight. We're not like everybody else. If Christians are like everybody else, then why get saved? We are not like everybody else. We have been set apart. We have been called by His name. We've been given a new inheritance. We've been given hope and faith and an anchor for our soul, which is Jesus Christ. Have we forgotten that? Better rise up to that occasion. 
So this morning, wherever you feel lame, stop looking at the problem. Maybe it's been a long time, but you give your attention to God and those that He has sent to lift you up. Looking at the problem isn't going to make it any better. Lift up your eyes. Lift up your eyes, expecting to receive something. You don't need the material. You don't need the earthly. You don't need the temporary. You need to receive what God has supplied, and in Jesus' name, you rise up and walk in it. Whether that be forgiveness, whether that be deliverance, whether that be, I don't know, whatever you need this morning, you've got to decide, I'm going to focus on Him, and I'm going to get up and walk in it. And I'll be authentic this morning. There are days I get up and I don't feel like doing it. I don't feel like being a Christian. I don't feel like doing this. But every time I step up, something changes in me. Every time I preach, whether it was for you or not, I know it was for me. Every time I read the Bible, something in there convicts me. Something changes me. Something makes me want to be better. Something makes me want to change what I'm doing. But it doesn't mean I always feel it. And I think too often we want the quick fix. We want the temporal. We want those things. And they cannot fill your human heart. They cannot fix the real need. Make up your mind to rise up in victory this morning. Rise up in healing this morning. Rise up in boldness. Rise up in righteousness. Rise up in worship because of what Jesus has done. How about we focus on what he's done instead of what's been done to you? What a switch, huh? Everybody's got a story of somebody that did them wrong. But guess what? What if we focus on what Jesus has done instead of what's been done to us? Rise up. It's easy to get offended. It's easy to have somebody treat you poorly. It's not so easy to rise up and say, you know what? It's done with now. That's behind me. I'm going to give God glory. I'm going to praise Him no matter what's happened to me. Complaining only does one thing. It makes you feel worse. I mean, man, if complaining worked, we'd be the happiest people on the planet. But it doesn't make you feel better, and it doesn't change the problem. How about we rise up? Receive strength in your lame areas this morning. Where are you feeling that lame area? Did you know that there's strength available for you? And we can leap and give praise to God so the whole world can see.